You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey guys, welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name's Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, back again this week. Matt and I are here. Today we're joined by up-and-coming front row Finn Baxter. Finn, how are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So we thought today like, we just want to talk to you. Obviously, it's very early on your career, so we're not going to as such go through your career, but more sort of the journey you've been on recently. So was rugby always the plan for you like from an early age? Um... Well, I was quite a big kid growing up, so it, it was kind of the, the one I was pushed to. But I, I played, like, uh, judo and enjoyed football and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was always the favourite, really. Um, I guess, oh, oh, Matt, you go. Yeah. And I guess, like, growing up, you've always been involved with academies and stuff. Um, was going pro something that you aspired to? Or was there a certain age or point where you just thought that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, well, when... Well, being in the academy from, like, what, the age of 13 or something at Quinn's, um, you always kind of thought it, but you never really wanted to say it and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that that when, once I got to Wellington, where I went to school, it was, well, it's a big rugby school as it is, and that kind of push to, well, be in the first team and then get signed for Quinn's, hopefully, or anyone who came calling was a big kind of aspiration because of all the boys in your boarding house who had done it before and you see their names and shirts on the wall and it kind of just gives you this feeling like it's something you c- you can do and yeah you talk about the, like something you can do was there ever a time where you thought well maybe it wasn't gonna happen or was it always you felt confident enough that you could kick on um i never thought it wasn't possible because there was so much time and and especially looking back when, like, for instance, in year 12, lower sixth, it was just there were, there were kids coming through who, who who weren't that good back when we were growing up, but then were suddenly getting seriously good. And, and looking back at that kind of was what I was thinking when I was younger, when I, I didn't think it was, like, a, like definite or going to happen. It was like, there's tons of time. People get better. People get worse. So... There's tons of time for it. Um, was your sort of like, 
I guess rise in rugby is that sort of due to Wellington or is that due to academies or where 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 would you say that? Um, I wouldn't really put, nail it on any certain place. I mean, I mean a lot a lot of it's to dad really because through club rugby I played at Cobham. Um, dad dad volunteered as a coach there and he loved coaching and loved seeing well the boys and me get better and. Start liking the game, um, but yeah, Wellington provided serious kind of uh, not only like high level game time playing playing on the circuit at school, but um, yeah, serious coaches that have like coached at the top or elite level at least, and then bring that to school level, and then obviously Quinns is Quinns has been awesome. It's in the academy, and it's so closely knit to the squad. That, like Jim Evans, Jordan Turner Hall at the moment, that they're, they're just they're so on top of it that it's it's giving those young kids like a good insight into what they need to get to and what they can improve on. And obviously, while you're still at school, you broke into the under 18s England setup. How did that come about? Do you know they're watching? Do you know it was a possibility, or was it a complete surprise? Um, it, it was because I, I first went to a camp when I was in year. It was something silly, like year eleven or something. But and I and I went I went to a camp in a, I think it was Bristol, yeah, uh, Brighton Grammar School. And I, I I had no idea at the time any of that or any of that kind of stuff going on because you're so so young. But when I, when I made my debut in year twelve against Scotland, it was a bit kind of touch and go. I because I, like, I was friendly with lads in the year above who were involved in that kind of that group. And so I kind of knew about it, knew that selection was going on, knew that they were looking at, like, academies and stuff. And then luckily a few kind of uh, injuries, a few, I mean, coaches thinking I was quite good, um, got me got me in, which was uh, which was, was so, so happy. I was up in um, Billingham near Middlesbrough playing Scotland. It was, it was a windy day. It was such a windy day, but um, it was good fun, yeah. Obviously, you're fortunate enough to go on a tour as well. I think you went to Argentina with the under-18s, and obviously you taught, you taught Wellington as well. Was it kind of similar? Was it a similar vibe, or was touring as a, like a national side, a big, different group of boys? Was that something completely different? Uh, so we, we toured in South Africa. Africa, but, sorry. Yeah, but um, it, it was it was a big step up because it it was the first kind of... It was the first time that we'd spent a prolonged amount of time as a squad together because you always have camps throughout the age groups but they're always well there's big gaps between them and they're not for more than two days and spending something like 15 days a bit over two weeks with the same group of boys with the same coaches was it, it was it was i was so lucky to go and because it was provided like a whole new level at the time of like professional professionalism and well just quality of rugby and we like we came up against some serious size like argentina were they were huge they were like they were men i mean like that I, I was i was lucky enough to be captain for the for that game and i i remember the coin toss with their their captain their six and he had cauliflower ears at the age of or supposedly 18 was uh yeah quite scary but we got taught less on that day, especially in the front row. But 
yeah, it's stuff like that's so important, I think. And I guess you just quickly mentioned it. You captained that game. Um, talk us through that experience. What was it like sort of captaining England while under 18s? Well, obviously, it's a huge, it's a huge honor. You're very proud. And like when you get told, you you get that kind of, really? Me? <laughs> like, um, and I'd always, yeah, I always kind of aspired to be that leader in the team. And uh, yeah, which, which was so cool. Because, um, Sam Spink and uh, and a Wellingtonian as well, a couple of years above me, also captained the team while I was breaking into the first 15 while he was there. So that was a big kind of, um, yeah, motivator, which was nice as well. Um, what did you like? Talk us through your team talk when you're captaining. What, what do you say? Because I imagine you had a lot of emotions flowing personally anyway, but to have them lead the side out, what do you sort of, what was your preparation for that? Uh, I don't think I'm a big. Uh, like a Churchillian speaker or anything like that, but I, um, I, I, I just a kind of you need to get up, you need to get up for it. It's uh, you're gonna kick yourself if you if you don't give it your all, kind of thing. And just le- leading by example, I think is my thing. Um, just doing the basics really well, and well, most of the time being quite chilled and level-headed. And I guess after that, so you've now moved on from academy life and playing pro life and going full time at the moment. How did you have to adapt your sort of, I guess, day to day life? Um, well, really, the biggest, well, especially for me being a front row, the biggest thing was just trying to put some serious strength and size on for the for set piece wise. But um, yeah, move, moving into the academy house at Quinns has been. It's been some really good fun. I mean, living with uh, two other boys my age, Will Trenum and Oscar Beard, and it's been a lot of fun. And especially as we're quite a small academy year, it's just us three from my year. We're, we're getting, yeah, really close and playing a lot of thieves. And Oscar, Oscar's losing a lot. So it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. Doing him dirty there, calling him out on here. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you touched it there. You're a prop, as in front row, ugly. It's the highest pressure and like most puts the most strain in your body have you found that's the sort of the step up has been monumental i presume on physically uh yeah i mean I, I mean yeah the amount of neck loading and back strength that is needed that i didn't have well don't have much of now but more of from where i were was about uh, last year is is huge and the the step up in scrummaging is just so. I mean, obviously, it's it's very obvious. It's 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 men's rugby now. It's not it's not kids and not just anyone just jumping at prop kind of thing. But it, it's such a huge step up technically, and then and then again the strength. It's it's such kind of, and it being so important in the game at the moment, especially after the the World Cup in 2019, it just proved again how important the set piece is. But yeah, it's something that I'm really focusing on at the moment. And, um, well, yeah, hopefully getting better at Would you say scrummaging sort of like the most important part of your game at the moment? Is that something that you're, like, focusing everything on at the moment? Um, for, for me, I think it's the it's the aspect of my game that I need to improve on the most. Mm. Because, fundamentally, as much as we, we all like, or everyone likes the saying of you've got 15 ball players in the team and all that, if your props can't scrum, 
you're not going to win a game. If your hooker can't throw, you can't win a game. If your 10 can't kick, you're not going to win a game. So, yeah, you, there's, there's, I, I, I think of it as like you need a certain amount of skill and um, ability and then to get away with. And that's not even being the best, like being the best at the game, like like Tyg Furlongs, like Carl Sinclair, that kind of lot. Like, because they do all the extra stuff on top of the scrummaging as well. Is there anything that sort of surprised you about the development from boys to men? Is there anything which you didn't really think about as you made the transition, which actually more come to light after? Um, I mean, the first thing, first kind of stuff that uh, shocked me was just how tall the locks were. I mean, like six foot, like six foot ten looking up is a uh, it, it's scary like around the club you're thinking god i am i am a short man i'm a short person <laughs> and then when you're out of the club it's like oh maybe not maybe just a bit in in a weird in a weird habitat but um yeah that that's that was something i noticed but um tra- training just training quality and um the importance of it because at school it's all a bit it's a laugh. It's you're having fun with your mates at school, and just the the prepar- the actual preparation and thought through each session going into um, a game week is um, probably the yeah the biggest change. So I'm interested. Could you talk us through like a typical day for you? So an early player who's just sort of moving out of the academy into the first team. What's your typical day? So um, academy boys um, generally in the gym uh, around seven forty-five. And if not, we're it's post rugby, but um, yeah. So we'll be typically in the gym at seven forty-five, and uh, we'll have units a bit later, uh, probably around what nine, nine, ten. Um, we'll then have food and meetings, and then um, we'll have rugby, followed by like extras and IDP, which is individual development stuff. Um, on top of any other extra conditioning you want to do and stuff like that. But everyone's got their own sort of day going on because everyone's got individual meetings with coaches, extra sessions in S&C and stuff like that. How, how much of it is individual, would you say? Like how much focus do you get individually? Um, you've got to go looking for it. I mean, you Obviously, you're going to get comments from coaches because they want to help you. They want to make you better from senior players because they want to help you. But you've really got to go uh, looking and asking those coaches for those extra session, uh, extra sessions, extra skill sessions, and w- w- which is obviously not difficult because they're so willing to help. But um, yeah, so it can be extremely individual. So moving on, obviously, you made your debut this year against Racing. What were your sort of emotions? So obviously, I mean, obviously, the result didn't go your way, but did that take yeah. anything away from the high of making what was, like, that's the game you remember for the rest of your life? Um, absolutely not. Not really. I mean, getting on with, like, 11 minutes to go, I mean, I, I didn't care what the score was. I just wanted to do as much stuff as I could, charging around, just trying to make as many tackles, try and carry the ball, try and clear out as much as I could. Um but I, I wasn't, because I was on the bench the previous week as well um, against Munster uh, away at Thurman Park, which I, I was, I was so nervous for the hat game, sitting on the bench for the uh, 
I didn't get on in the end, obviously, but um, I sat on the bench for the Felati, and yeah, I, I was so nervous for that. And that kind of prepared me a bit, I guess, for racing, because I obviously I was nervous. It was my debut. It was well, the start, hopefully, of a of a of a career, and I felt I felt not as kind of negative nervous, but more of like a let's the opportunity to just go and do something. The game's the game's out of our hands now, and it's just up to you to show what you can do, kind of thing. Were, were you given any advice or have any advice to give for those sort of debut nerves? Um, yeah, lo- loads of the lads were. Especially the academy boys and young lads in the team are really supportive because that those are the lads like I'm with day and sorry uh, during the day, so yeah they were they were really supportive. But I mean the coaches bomb uh, Adam Jones had well which I done I done a lot of scrummaging prior the two weeks leading up to that game to kind of prepare me for what it's going to be like. And I had had a scrum first thing when I came on and. I held it down, which I was very proud of. But um, yeah, so the, they they sorted me out really well. You talk about the monster game. Obviously, you sat on the bench. You said you were nervous. Whether you never got on, what was sort of the feelings after that? Was there almost like a sign, tiny sense of relief, but obviously big disappointment not to get on. Um, I don't think there was any relief because, as much as I was very nervous, like it, it is a obviously it's a sign that. Um, you're not quite there, which obviously I wasn't, which obviously I wasn't, but, um, yeah. And, and, and it being in the balance up to about 60 minutes against a very good monster side at the time and Ty, um, burn putting an absolute worldy of performance in kind of left us feeling a bit like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, we, we've, well, we've got three yellow cars that day. I think we've kind of, we haven't helped ourselves out and they had a, they've had quite a good one. So, but I was also looking to wrestling again because of the state of our front row department at the time. I kind of knew I'd be involved as well the week after. So it was immediately kind of looking to that one, making sure that I can do everything in the week to make sure that I wouldn't sit on the bench again. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask a brutal question just on the back of that. And you can say if you don't want to... If the wrestling game had been like a three-point game, do you think you would have got on? Uh, three points in it. With ten minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, pro- probably not. Yeah. But I mean, we'll. we'll, we'll your point, obviously, some say the forwards, like, and they always have a game plan that you'll go on because someone's not, and especially they're light on players and stuff. Yeah. But I what you thought? Um, because I mean, I mean, looking at it from like a like a senior coaching point of view, it's. You've, you've lost one out of four in Europe. Winning the, that game gets you back involved, kind of in in that league. Sorry, in in that group. Um. So, I, I, but who knows? Maybe not. Sorry, horrible question. <laughs> and I guess when your time comes, it comes, which it did against Racing. Did you sort of have an initiation after? Sort of like, was there sort of a ceremony? Um. Well, it was quite. It was quite. Um. Somber. Yeah. In the changing room afterwards, because it was it was it was pretty hefty loss. But I mean, I, I was I I was, in, I was in a weird kind of situation where I I had a beaming grin and just was so happy to get on and make a few tackles and all of that. But um, yeah, Oscar Oscar was ball boy that day. 
and uh, yeah, we we had a light little celebration in the corner. <laughs> but um, no, not no real initiation. Uh, I reckon I'll have to sing on the box soon enough. But um, yeah. You talk about obviously Jones had an effect on you. Are there any other players in the squad? I'm thinking like especially as a prop, perhaps like obviously Joe Marler's there. Like, are there any other boys who particularly helped you like settle into the squad? So, as a front row, what I feel that we're they're all very um, helpful and wanting to progress the front row as a whole, not just oh, I want to do well this session because I want to show that I can and all this and all this individual um, stuff when really it's about improving our scrum, which is about the front row and then the seconds and and the um, back row. And so everyone's been really helpful, especially, weirdly enough, what I found, especially the hookers. The hookers have been really helpful in, um, like, your setup. And you're and you're binding, and then because obviously they're in the middle, they feel everything. They feel when the tight goes and the loose head maybe like hasn't come with, or maybe got a bit loose. So that yeah, so they've been really helpful. But everyone, everyone all, all together has been so helpful, and it, and, it, and it does help when you've got people like Joe Marler, Wilco Lowe, Simon Carroll, Collier, all right there. Santiago Garcia Botta, like internationals everywhere. And I guess you quickly mentioned Joe Marler, who's obviously renowned as being a character. What's he like in training? Oh, uh, he, he he just knuckles down. I mean, as much as um, uh, you see in the media, all everyone saying this, saying that about him. When it comes to the team, he's he's very serious, and he's and he's on top of it. And he and because he's well, he's so um, what's the word experienced. He, he he knows he knows what to say and what's wrong with the team, especially kind of mentally and where we need to be. And he's very good at putting those words across. What was your first encounter like with him? Was it a bit surreal for you? Obviously, Joe's Joe. He's been in the internationally so long. You've probably grown up watching England, watching him. Was that quite a big thing for you? Yeah, because um, well, I mean that 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 was one of the weirdest things starting at the club the first kind of like month was like you see you see you saw lads like Chris Robshaw, Mike Brown, Danny Kerr just rubbing shoulders saying good morning and stuff and it was like, oh my God, what's that about? <laughs> um but yeah I had um uh my first encounter with Joe was I had a review like an after an academy game under eighteens. And so it was it was a major kind of like fanboy moment. But um yeah he 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 was he was so helpful. But um, and I guess Harlequins are doing very well at the moment. They're sort of title chasing, and it's about to get to the crunch time, as they say. What's the sort of general mood in training at the moment and amongst the squad? It's very positive. It's really positive, and we're having we're having a lot of fun, and we're getting a lot better as well. Um, I mean, we 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 have spotted like errors within our game at the moment, especially the last three games where we haven't started as well. Unless it's really late to finish it off, um, with with like with late wins everywhere and another possible late win against Leicester. I mean, Leicester having one of their best games this year and us playing awfully and still coming down to the last minute, which is a positive, but yeah, kind of hidden positive. Um, but yeah, we we're going really well, and I mean, it's all exciting leading into the uh, well, hopefully semis. 
And is there a sort of certain message or theme that's sort of been pushed over the past couple of weeks? Um, not particularly. Just keeping ourselves, keep keep doing what we do best. Obviously, the news of Mike Brown's ban not being turned over, has that sort of had an effect on the Capital? Obviously, that's really gutting for him, his time at Quinn's coming to an end in such a yeah um, um, unfortunate way. So, yeah, the week after it happened, um, all, all the lads... Well, um, Andy Sanger, our kind of the guy we all kind of go to, who helps us out, who looks after us all. He made sure we all kind of got around him, supported him. And I mean, as as, as much as Brownie's a well, a multiple cap international, like obviously messages from lads here and there, little little things here and there was going to help him feel a whole lot better. And I I don't know, it's. I guess it'd be nice to hear what other people think. And, um, yeah, everyone, everyone's been really supportive. And he's been in and around the club training with um, the opposition now, which is which has been uh, us training as the opposition for the week against the firsts, which, is, which has been well, cool for me, getting to, to get around him a bit more. And, um, yeah, but, he's, yeah, good. he's contributed. So on, his, on his part, he's still fully buying into the club, even though he obviously knows they're leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, fully, fully buying in. Well, preparing the, the the starters. Credit to him. It sounds like a true professional. I mean, as most people, I'm sure, think of him. Obviously, exactly. looking forward to you now. What's sort of next for you? Um. So, hopefully, I get selected for the twenties for the um Six Nations that's been pushed back. Um. So, yeah, hope so that selection comes out in the next, I think, few weeks. So, hopefully, I get selected there and um play in the Six Nations. Um. But then again, if that doesn't happen, then it's just looking to next year and hopefully um, getting a few more games. Yeah. Obviously, looking longer-term goals, what what are you sort of pushing towards, whether it's in your personal game or just like a particular thing? Um, well, I mean, push on at Quinn's really is the main aim, and, well, the long-term aim at the moment, uh, trying to get higher up that pecking order. Um, and hopefully play a few games. And what sort of like outside of rugby, what are sort of your things that you're pushing for, like bucket list or targets or anything? Um, well, I'm I'm going to starting uni next year, like online uni. Well, not really online, but um, I'm doing yeah. So I'll, I'll join Surrey Uni, which is where we um on the campus where we train, so nice and close. Um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to want to get that sorted. Want to get that like past that and well other than that i hadn't hadn't really thought much so just uh, so we got had a couple of guests on we've asked like just completely crazy like random bucket list things we've had some people who want to go anything which if you got given the opportunity you'd love to do um fuck traveling uh, experience yeah, I, I mean I, I would like to um yeah, travel travel with hopefully rugby and let's go around the world with it. Japan, America, I, I, hopefully somewhere in like New Zealand as well. But um, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, fair enough. So we put you on the spot there. So fair enough. Um, and obviously before we finish there, I think we've just sort of trying to come out to a half hour now. We ask most of our guests their favorite moments of far. So obviously your debut is probably, I'm sure you probably agree, is your best moment. But if you're looking, it could be rugby or just general watching, playing, schoolboy life. What's been your favorite moment in your life so far? In my life or rugby? Rugby, but it could be watching or playing. Uh, okay. Uh, Favourite moment? 
Um, probably um, at at school schoolboy level. Um, yep. Playing at Wellington in my last year, we had a been a very successful year and. We won a we won a few trophies, so that that's that's probably up there because we're uh, my, my best mates in our final year. Yeah, silverware always makes everyone happy. Well, Finn, thank you so much for getting on with us. This obviously it's been great fun for us. Obviously, we've both played against you in the last few years. So it's quite surreal seeing how well you've kicked on. Um, we wish you the best of luck for rest of the season for under twenty selection, and hope it all goes well. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Maybe in a, this time next year when you've had another few big games, we'll get you back on and chat more. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Thanks for listening to the Tap and Go podcast. I'm John Hardy and I'm a Loose Heads ambassador. The mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at checkout now with code TAP and GO. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.